Uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. We are going to complete really what a, uh, a two-part series I, um, I started last week. But uh, I don't know if you knew this, but religious people like to debate. Have you ever noticed that? I don't know. Uh, I probably could add... Uh, political people like to debate, or conservative people like to debate, or maybe just as human beings uh, like to debate. Uh, teenagers like to debate, right? I mean, uh, maybe we could just go along the, the board and say, uh, it's, we have something within us, want to prove ourselves right, or maybe at times we just want to prove somebody else wrong. I, I'm not sure which is the strongest desire. But we're going to talk about that idea for just a second here. But before I get into that, I've got a question for you. And uh, if you're online, uh, you can uh, uh, acknowledge this as well. But how many try to keep the Ten Commandments? All right. How many would say you try to keep the Ten Commandments? But two or three. All right. Great. Thank you. So that's good. All right. Maybe a few more than that. All right. Here's my bigger question. How many know the Ten Commandments? How many know them? So, all right. Well... So, uh, we had you involved in the music part of the series, and I'm going to see how you do. So, by memory, don't look it up on Google, <clears throat> online, uh, don't do that as well. But if you know one of the Ten Commandments, just say it out uh, right now, and I, I was going to have a pen to mark them off too as we go through here, but that, shout out, one of the Ten Commandments, honor your mother and father, okay? Shall not kill, what was it? Keep the Sabbath, all right. No other gods before me. Great. So we've got half of them. What was it? Okay, thou shalt not covet. Now the 10th. All right, great. That's all there is. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Okay. I don't know if we, I think somebody's probably said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not steal, okay. Uh, no idols, second commandment, no idols. Number three, uh, don't take God's name in vain, right? Okay, great, all right, so you got all 10. Great, and uh, so it does help to know them to try to keep them, so yes, right, okay, so just that. But anyway, I mean, that's just a side note there. And, and we could debate whether, you know, we're not under the law, we understand that uh, today as well, we're under grace, but... Anyway, when it comes to those 10, there's, there's some biggies there, aren't there? Here would be the question that I would ask and that got debated in Bible days, which of those 10, and there's many others in the Old Testament, is the most important? Now, I don't want you to shout that out, but just think for a second, which of those commands are the most important? Well, man, maybe it's the sexual sin, well, maybe it's about lying or coveting the heart issues or not taking God's name in vain or idolatry, you know, or murder, maybe that's uh, the worst. Well, that issue was debated uh, throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament with the Gospels. I have on the screen behind me Matthew twenty-two thirty-six, and here's a story out of Matthew. Then one of them, a lawyer, Asked Jesus a question, testing him. So it's not a legitimate question. He's just trying to paint him in a corner. He's just trying to ask a question that is going to cause division. Here's the question, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, this was not a new question. This was asked throughout 
uh, this period. This would uh, be debated over and over again. Out of all those commands, and we could just you know, acknowledge, okay, these uh, 10 biggies here, which is the most important? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in verse 37. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. I want you to love, and supremely, I want you to love God. That's the most important. It's not what you're not doing, it's what you are doing, is what he's saying here. I want you to love, I want you to have action to your life. But he goes on, and he says, this great commandment actually has two parts. The first is to love God, the second is like it. Wow, that's just an incredible phrase. Uh, The second is like the first. Loving God, that's supreme. But the second one is very similar. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, guess what? You do love yourself. Uh, You take care of yourself. Most of us, when we're tired, we go to bed. When we're hungry, we eat. When we have a desire for something, we try to make that happen. Why? Because we want good to happen to ourselves, And that's why our feelings get hurt when something doesn't go our way or our expectations in life. And God says, you do love yourself, and I want you to love other people the way that you love yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, By law and prophets, Jesus is just summarizing the Old Testament. It begins with the law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and ends with the prophets, all the major prophets and then the minor prophets and everything in between. He's saying out of through the whole Old Testament, this is the main thing. You can't remember all of the 600 commands. You probably can't even forget, uh, remember 10 of them, but hopefully you can remember this one word, love. Love God and love others. It's what we have up here, right? Love God, love people. That's what it's about, loving God and loving people. That's the great commandment. We have it up here on the stage. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the great commission. That's what we're to do. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. People get saved. How do we make disciples? by getting saved, by following in baptism, and by getting connected to the church. Salvation, baptism, church membership. We're discipled as we're being taught. How do we do it is different though. It's not just what we do, it's why we do it, it's how we do it, it's what we end up doing. And that's through loving other people. So we're to make disciples, that's the Great Commission, and we're to love God and love people, that's the Great Commandment. We built this wing, um, see, about 23 years ago. We filled that up pretty quickly, and so in the year 2000, we were gonna build our second wing that is now our our teen and our office wing over here, and we have a group of people in Discovering Choice learning about membership this morning, uh, even, uh, even, and uh, some people are online, uh, that class as well. And that wing we built in 2000, and we called it our Vision 2000. And here was our simple phrase, only a great commitment to the Great Commission and the Great Commandment grows a great church. That's what we're about. That's the true north that we have. That's our Vision 2020. That's where 
we are headed. It's what we do, the Great Commission, and how we do it, the Great Commandment. If you recall, last week we were in Acts chapter 2, and we can go ahead and uh, uh, look at verse 42. Notice it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's our biblical beliefs, and fellowship, that's our relational connection. We want to be biblical and relational. The apostles' doctrine and fellowship, the relationships. Paul said it this way in Ephesians 4, but speaking the truth, how? In love. John 1.14, speaking of Jesus and the word who is referring to Jesus incarnate, became flesh and he dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus could be very strong to the religious teachers, but he was always gracious to the sinner. Today we celebrate 28 years of being in this area, 28 years of making a difference. And Jude 22 says this, and if some have compassion, making a difference. What makes a difference in life? It's not necessarily our position, our stands, but it's how we relate to others. Yes, we teach the Bible, but we teach the Bible to people. Yes, we have to be uh, righteous, but we have to demonstrate that in an unrighteous world. And Jesus did that in such a great way. And if we are going to make a difference in this world, we're gonna do it through a heart of compassion. In Acts, we are learning that this church was a community of truth, a community of love, a community of generosity, worship, and even evangelism. That's what they were about. And when Paul and I moved to Fredericksburg 28 years ago, <clears throat> we used this passage in Acts 2 to really guide us on how we would function as a church. So how do we demonstrate love to the community around us? How do we live out what God has called us to We'll look at Acts chapter 2, verse 41. I want to read a couple verses here. Then those who gladly received his word, so they had gotten saved through Peter preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, they accepted Jesus as Savior. The next step was they got baptized. And they were added about 3,000 souls to them or to the church. Salvation, baptism, church membership. They became a church. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. How did they fellowship? In the breaking of bread and in prayers, they gathered together to have meals together. They prayed together. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. These apostolic gifts to show that Jesus was really who he said he was, giving them divine revelation to complete the New Testaments through these signs and wonders. In verse 44, and they sold their possessions and good and divided them. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 44. Uh, now all who believed were together and had all things common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were real, they were raw, they were righteous, verse 47. Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to 
the church. They got connected to the church. Daily, those who were being saved. So here's my question as I look at this text. Since they were such a loving community, how can we be that loving community? How can we demonstrate love as a church? After 28 years, what is the main thing that we can just keep the main thing? What is the simplicity that God would have us to fulfill as a church? Remember, he said it's through love. Here's the commandment just simply to love. But how do we love? Well, first of all, we love by giving. Look at verse 44 again. Now all who believed were together and had all things common. These people were connected. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Here's the word I would give it. They simply demonstrated generosity. These people were generous. They gave of their time. Last week, after the second service, if uh, you're ever in the second service, we pick the chairs up uh, around here so we can have events during the, the week and stuff. And, and uh, uh, often, there's not a whole lot of people doing it, but I'm not sure why, but I just, uh, after the second service, I was talking to some people, and a group of teenagers and a couple men came in, and they just started stacking the chairs up. In like five minutes, all these chairs got uh, stacked up and placed around there, and I was like, wow. They just were willing, they saw a need and just stepped up. Generosity, we use our time, we use our talents. Just think of the people that's over in the nursery ministering to our children. They're in our preschool class teaching our kids that there is a God that loves them. What a great truth. Our elementary uh, kids in the Impact Kids Wing, learning what the Bible has to say and, and praising God just like we do in here and then having Bible verses memorized and leaving here and saying, you have a purpose and meaning in life. The people that work on the building. Let me say we're at the end pretty much of uh, our grass mowing season and there's been a team of guys that would come out during the week or on Saturdays just to make sure that the grounds look good when we come in here on Sunday. I'm so appreciative of people that uh, uh, step up and just do those things behind the scene. There's one uh, guy that, uh, because of his work schedule, he was working every Sunday, hadn't been attending uh, for uh, a period of time, but he was here during the week. Sometimes he'd work uh, through the night and then uh, come here first thing and do some mowing or he would come and mow and then would uh, leave and go to work in his uh, schedule and, he's, and uh, just <clears throat> wanted to make sure <clears throat> things look good around here. Using our talents and abilities. Last week after our first service, one of the cars was driving by and had a, some repairs that needed to take place. And there were several, <clears throat> excuse me, several guys that just jumped, jumped in and said, we're going to get this car fixed. I'm like, wow, just using our time, using our talents. I looked at the car, kicked the wheel. I couldn't figure out what was wrong. You know, that's about all I, I could do. But some guys kind of knew what's uh, you know, going on. And, and they rallied together. And it was raining outside. And they were standing in the rain trying to fix some things, you know. Isn't that great that there's people just come together with generosity, our time, our talents, and our treasures? 
You know, when this pandemic hit, as a church, we didn't meet for a little while, and so the officers and staff met, and we said, we don't know what's going to happen over the next six months. And so we immediately went on an emergency budget. We said, man, people aren't coming. We aren't able to have church for uh, services for a little while. We figured out how to go online and everything. And we thought, we don't know what's going to happen financially. But guess what? Because of the generosity, people that give online, people that sent in their offerings, people that stepped up, I mean, the reality was things continued moving on, and we realized we don't have to move to an emergency budget. We are able to continue doing ministry. Do you know, that's just simple stewardship. The word stewardship, we often think, oh man, if a preacher's preaching on stewardship, he's trying to get into my wallet, you know, and talk about, but here's what the word stewardship simply means. One, God owns everything. Number two, we're to manage what God's given to us. And number three, one day we will give an account to our leader, our boss, to our savior, that we give an account of the time, talent, and treasure that we have. Later in the book of Ephesians, verse 32, notice what it says. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Again, that's what we saw in Acts 2. See, it's not our own, it's God's. Everything belongs to God. That's where generosity starts. You know, we all have this thing within us, selfishness. We only have so much time, and we don't necessarily want to give our time. We only have so much money, do we want to give that? But a generous spirit says, I'm here to serve other people. God has blessed me with my time, my talents, and my treasure. It's not my own. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. See, grace is the key. That's our motivator. That's why we love. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. They gave them before the church and they distributed as anyone had need. Look at verse 37. Having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Using what God has given to us to bless others. Whether it's you giving of your time, you giving of your ability, or you giving of your financial resources, God wants us to demonstrate generosity, involvement, giving of ourselves so we can minister to others. Because of consistent giving and your generosity, we were able to fix the, the stage up here, some things we're working on. We were able to uh, uh, develop our Impact Kids Wing and do a lot of things over there. Our online presence went from zero, literally zero, to hundreds of people uh, watching and having the ability to minister to other people. Some things coming up, we have some parking lot maintenance. We're talking about some new signage. Uh, we want to redo our loan soon because interest rates are low. And even uh, we're, we're discussing how we as a church can incorporate and uh, uh, just be able to function more uh, smoothly even to our own community. 
Some things we have coming up is a holiday outreach. We uh, want to uh, make an impact around here. And some people aren't ready to come back to church, but we think, how can we use the resources we have to reach out to our community? And we'll be talking about that in the weeks ahead. Angel Tree is starting today. There are parents that are incarcerated and they want to provide a gift to their children. I appreciate, Beth, the work that you're doing. Excited uh, as you walk out of here today, there'll be little angels on the tree in the foyer that you can grab and you can uh, buy some uh, gifts. And then we'll have somebody distribute that to these kids. Last year, there was a lady that wanted a gift and, and her parents said, we're gonna take care of the kids. You know, we've got that covered. And she said, but I just want a gift to come from me personally, not my parents to their grandchildren, but from their mom. That might even been the home, uh, Paula, that you and I dropped uh, a gift off and said, this is from, and the lady that's incarcerated, this is for their child. Christmas morning, be able to open that gift. Just a way to say to our community that Jesus loves them. Angel Tree, local ministry and outreach, our Christmas offering that we take up, and we'll talk about that in, in December, uh, for Mana Ministries, a health organization that feeds kids in Romania all year long, many other places, but we support a place in Romania, and we feed these kids all season long, all year long, because we take up a Christmas offering for them. And people that give to missions, Remember the Great Commission is going to all the world? And so people give over and above their regular giving to support missionaries so they can go and preach the gospel. Because of our generosity, we can make a difference in this world. See, that's a loving community. We demonstrate love <clears throat> through our giving. Look at verse 47. We demonstrate our love through our praising, through our worship as well. Look at verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. Praising God. We can do that during our time of worship. We have a cross back behind us. You notice that cross, it goes horizontally, but it also goes vertically. Pastor Steve often reminds us that our time of worship we don't gather here just to be around people. We gather here to connect with God. God is present, right? God is here. He's in our midst. As we sing, as we listen to the message, and as we leave here, just simply to say, you are worthy. As Garrett said, he's the alpha and the omega. His love is better than life. God, you are worthy. A couple of weeks ago, one of my granddaughters was over. She was playing with someone else, but she came over and wanted me, but I, I was in the middle of something and, and somebody else was wanting to play. I said, no, no, go, go play with them. But she just went up to me and looked at me like this and just had her hands up. And I said, no, no, go, go over there and play. And she went, hmm, like this. I said, no, no, you go play. And she said, poppy. That's what they call me, poppy. And I was like, nothing's more important than I'm doing right now, right? just that lifted hand. And when we can just say, Abba, Father, I want you. I need you. 
God, I need you in my life, this vertical emphasis, because our theme is impacting life. Why? For God's glory. We are here to bring him glory in all that we do. So here's my question. How am I exalting Jesus today? Let me give you one more thought. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. Now, if you study that word all out, it means everybody, unless they're not part of your political party, okay? No, it actually doesn't mean that at all. All. That's everybody. God said he wants us to love by caring. That cross is not just vertical. Where Jesus hung between heaven and earth so he could reconcile us to God, he wants us to reconcile with one another in this horizontal level. He wants us to love. Do you know, when my kids fight, it breaks my heart, and they hardly have ever done that. But that's for real. They've always gotten along pretty good. Now, Paul and I haven't, but our kids have, you know, so we're not... um, no, but I mean, our kids have gotten along, but when, when they're not getting along, that's always broken our heart, right? We want our kids to get along. Notice what 1 John 4.20 says. If someone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a, what's the next word? Oh, so if I love God and hate people, I really don't love God is what he's saying. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? Remember, we're creating the image of God, right? And if we can't love people that are creating the image of God, how can we love God? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Recently, several people said some nice things about a couple of my kids. Makes mom and dad very proud, right? When your kids say something nice about you. When they say, man, you have a wonderful young man. Boy, your girls are, are such a blessing to me or whatever they would uh, share. And it means so much as a parent. And I thought, how much does it mean to God when we love his children? He wants us to get along. So who can you encourage today? Who can you contact today? If you're online, is there somebody that you can email, somebody you can text, somebody that you can just offer a smile, a kind word to, and catch somebody doing good? There's always somebody ready to tell us what we're doing wrong. Find something good that somebody's doing and encourage them today. Jesus says in John 13, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. How? He said, as I have loved you. How did he demonstrate his love? Through sacrifice. We love through our caring. And when we have favor with all the people in Acts 2.47, the Lord adds to the church. You see, when we demonstrate love, then we can do a better job of evangelism. Then we can reach people with the gospel. Then we can impact lives. This church made a huge difference. 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost got saved, baptized, and added to the church. You know, they 
weren't just wanting a small church. They just wanted to reach as many people that would spend eternity in heaven. So today for our 28th anniversary, let's make a difference. How? And if some have compassion, making a difference. What's the greatest commandment? What is it? Just simply to love. Let's love God and love people. Let's bow in prayer. As our team comes forward, just want to thank the Choice family for being who you are, for loving other people so well through your generosity, through your caring, through your worship. God is using this ministry. Let's make a fresh commitment to live out that true north, that 2020 vision of simply impacting lives for God's glory. With our heads bowed for just a second, friend, if you're online, make that decision in your heart. I will glorify God and I will love other people. Friends, in this room, pray that we would be a united force to love God and love people. And if you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus as Savior. Not asking if you've been baptized, not asking if you've joined a church, but has there been that time in your life that you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Call upon him today. Ask him for the free gift of eternal life. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And right now, I accept you as my Savior. Please come into my life. Forgive my sins. In Jesus' name. Dear Father, I pray that you would speak to each heart today. Help us to fulfill the great commission and the great commandment. In Jesus' name.